should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are, are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I of the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. He talks about liberty, and he talks about love. Begins by saying, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The language suggests that a brother or sister has inadvertently stumbled into sin. Not intentional. This is something that they didn't know about or they didn't know this specific juncture, this specific decision would lead them into sin. They didn't know what they were moving towards was a sin. To restore the offender is to put matters in order by integrating them back into the full fellowship of the brothers and sisters and, and the Lord. And he kind of appeals to those who are spiritual, not a elite, but those who are connected to God via the Spirit of God. And we'll talk about what that means. And those who are spiritual, uh, he says, restore them in a spiritual gentle, a spirit of gentleness. The, 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 the possibility is that those who stumbled into sin were feeling pretty ashamed. They just didn't know. They didn't know. Um, harshness may drive them further away, so Paul urges and counsels when you come alongside somebody, you do so in a spirit of gentleness. He says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And he's concerned here. Not just the people who stumbled into the sin, almost a little bit more the ones who are coming alongside them. And he indicates, watch out, or you too will be tempted. In what way? 
And it could mean you could do the thing that you are trying to correct in them, but that doesn't seem to be the case here. What he's trying to get them to steer around is a specific sin we don't find on many sin lists. But Paul is very concerned with it, sees it in his own rearview mirror, the sin of self-righteousness, self-righteousness, that they come alongside somebody else who fell into sin, and they just, I can't, boy, look at, oh man, you are just a mess. And so he's really concerned about the manner in which those who haven't fallen into the sin come alongside those who do. Um, And he says, um, bear one another's burdens in verse 2, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. When Paul talks about any sense of pride, he's talking about pride via self-reflection, and not prideful arrogance, but a sense of, you know what, I really am moving forward. And what he's saying, if you're going to arrive at that conclusion, I am moving forward, do it on the basis of evaluating yourself and knowing what it is. And God wants us to express our faith in love. Faith is directed at God's promises. And so if you are rooting your faith more firmly in God's promises and you perceive that, give yourself a pat on the back. It's hard to do. And that's what, but do so on the basis of thinking about where you have been and where you are and where you're going. Uh, What's happening in this place is that they are basing that on the basis of comparing them with others. What's going on in this church, what's come up, is that there has been a culture of comparison that was created in this church, and Paul is really concerned about this. Really concerned about this. There is a <laughs> self-righteousness that is growing as they are coming alongside one another. Uh, the fact that what's happened is that Jerusalem-based missionaries have convinced the Galatians that Gentiles need to be Jews in order to be Christians. So if you're going to really be near and dear to God, it's not enough that you believe in Jesus. These Jewish-based missionaries probably believe in Jesus. But what they believed as well, that they, as Jews, needed to observe the Mosaic Law and circumcision and holy days and dietary laws. And they've gone from Jerusalem to Galatia, which is in the Roman Empire, and they've said, okay, you guys, you've accepted Jesus, you believe in Jesus, that's fine. I'm from Jerusalem. You know where the church began? You know where Jesus grew up? You know that place, don't you? And um, I might know a little bit more than you know. So um, what you need to know is that God loves you. And he'll love you even more if, men, you get circumcised and you observe holy days and dietary restrictions. And they scratched their head and they said, well, okay, I, I didn't know that. Paul didn't talk about that. 
He said the gospel was belief in Jesus alone, but you're bringing a gospel of Jesus plus, and it, I guess you know what you're talking about. So what ended up happening, they um, they were persuaded to, to start to do that, and they observed holy days, and they're doing the uh, dietary laws, and they're pushing them to, to go the whole nine yards, and to the men to... Um, Observe circumcision, and what they're told, what the church is being told, and especially guys, if you really want to be on the front lines, if you really want to be in a place where you have full spiritual resources at your disposal, what you're going to need to do is to get circumcised. And some kind of stumbled into this, and they really didn't know what was happening. Uh, culture of comparison, though, rose up in the wake of this influence like frogs in a kettle. They didn't see what was happening. When Paul had been there, their joy was just spontaneous. They felt loved and secure in being loved, and what had happened being under a real sense of God's commitments without them having to earn these via commandment as, as they moved over and were persuaded over from new covenant observance to new plus old, the weight, and they couldn't see it because it... And then they didn't see how their joy had been eroded like frogs in a kettle, that's what happened. They had begun to act like spiritual bodybuilders, posing next to one another. See, what ended up happening under the new covenant is security. There's no ifs. Under the old, there is. And so they started to feel insecure. And so what they tried to do to bolster their security, they started to compare themselves with one another. And like spiritual bodybuilders, like bodybuilders looking in those glasses, you know, they're just, you know, and then they just, you know, they look, you know, this, this guy, they're doing this, and they're looking at the other guy, and they're looking at his, and they just, you know, and that's what they're doing to one another. They're doing pose-offs, whereas they were supporting one another. Now they're competing with one another. And that's what's going on. Paul is really concerned. This is a difficult thing. And you know the way the bodybuilders are. They always have the smile on their face, but it's like... <laughs> you ever seen those smiles in church? You know, it's kind of like I'm smiling because I'm supposed to. And they, when Paul left, they were smiling. They were. There was joy. There was freedom. There was, can you believe this? Like, we're, we're accepted and, and we're loved. And then these Jewish missionaries came in, Jewish believers, and they started doing this. And then all of a sudden they're like this in church. And, and that's what Paul is writing this letter for. It really is a difficult thing, though. We're used to finding a sense of security based on being better than others. I remember I told you this before, somebody who um, we determined in the beginning that we would have a, a big back door. If people want to stay, that's fine. We wouldn't 
try to guilt people into staying. So we've had a number of people flow in and out of the church, and that's okay. We really, so they come and get the message, and then they go somewhere else, and they spread it. That's okay for us. We don't need to contain everybody. Never wanted to. Glad you're here. (laughs) And as opposed to them, you know, I mean, those people who aren't here. Let's, come on, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Somebody talked to me once about... It was very interesting. He said, you know what, uh, this woman, very honest. That's what I liked about the conversation. He said, you know what, Mike, you know, I, I, I came to this and I learned about grace and I really liked it at first. But you know what I miss? I miss being told that I'm better than them. Very direct, though, very honest. I said, you know what, I understand what you're saying. And you're probably never going to hear that here. Because we're going to focus on our stuff. And yes, she went elsewhere, and that's fine. But it was interesting. She was that, but that's a very common thing. There were some in this church who hadn't taken this step, who hadn't been circumcised, or wasn't even worried about doing so. Paul is telling them to deal with those who had. Paul is warning those who had not been confused to use gentleness, not forcefulness, in correcting others. Um, when you think about the message of the gospel, you remember when Jesus talked about wine and wineskins? You know, you can, what you're supposed to do, you, you don't put new wine in old skins because old wineskins don't expand. You put new wine, which ferments, you put it in old skins, you know what you get? You get the wine exploding the skins, and you're both erect. And Jesus described church and church influence in that way. What he said, put new wine in new skins. And so when you think about what's the wine and what's the skins, old wine would be the old covenant message. New wine would be the new covenant message. That makes sense, right? Old, new. What's old skins and new skins? I think Jesus pointed to it when he said, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 11. It's not in your worship folder, but just listen. Jesus describes John, Matthew, excuse me. From the days of John the Baptist until now, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. So what he's describing, the spiritual operating system, spiritual influence, The former spiritual influence was forceful. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Forceful men lay hold of it. So if you put a caption underneath old covenant spiritual influence, what word do you need? Forceful. Forceful. You you push, you goad, you prod, you direct. That's the way it was. And Jesus goes on and says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then this is what Jesus said. Describing, I think, those to whom the Son chooses to reveal the Father. He said, no one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal the Father. And who are those? And this is what Jesus says. Come to me. You who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, gentle, 
and humble in heart, you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So if old wineskins, those individuals who carry the message, if they were forceful, and that represent old skins, what do new skins represent? Gentle. Gentle. So here's what Paul is trying to get them to do. He's, he's seeing some of these Christian Jewish missionaries coming in and persuading these people who under Paul had received new wine and Paul was a new skin. They are being told and pushed. Well, they are trying to mix new wine and old skins. They're being forceful and pushy. And, and Paul tells them who are being pushy, stop, stop. These individuals have fallen into things. They might not have known what they were getting into. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. But watch yourself. If you come to the place where you abandon gentleness and move back to forcefulness, what are you moving back to? New wine and old skins doesn't work. If God's message is the message of reconciliation, which means our relationship is okay, our relationship is fine, that sort of news doesn't really need a bunch of forcefulness, does it? He's reconciled to you! That doesn't fit, does it? doesn't fit. If he's reconciled to you, what fits is he's reconciled to you. Gentleness fits. This is confusing, and that's what Paul wants to eliminate here. He sees that comparison is the fruit of the problem. What's happening, though, they're losing sight of the gospel, and that's the root of the problem. That's the root of the problem. Look in verse 6. It says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to his spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. The word translated mocked, just so we understand what Paul's saying, it means you turn up your nose at someone. This is mocked. And it is something that we see in the Bible with respect to uh, the way the Israelites treated those who came speaking God's message. Here's what it says in Second Chronicles. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at the prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people and there was no remedy. So what Paul is saying, he left some individuals in Galatia. He left them everywhere. Individuals who understood what the good news of the gospel was. And what Paul is wanting to do, because they've been pulled into these Jewish missionaries and they're, and they're trying to, and they're coming under their influence and as a result they're marching over and it, the whole thing is becoming a culture of comparison. And what Paul's, what Paul knows what needs to happen, they have been confused with respect to the gospel. Because when they understood the gospel, love bloomed. 
And they didn't have to inflate it. It just happened. Gentleness happened. It just happened. It stopped happening when gospel understanding was eroded. And then, like a frog in a kettle, joy was eroded, but they had no idea what hit them. So he doesn't point his finger. What he does in this letter is he tries to get them back over to gospel understanding because that's going to fix everything. They need to become secure again in their relationship with Christ. Then they'll stop comparing. They'll come alongside one another and care for one another rather than compare with one another. Paul knows what he's doing, he, and, and he's clear in what he's trying to accomplish here. Um, throughout the letter, he talks about flesh versus spirit. It's really important to be clear in this letter about what he means. Flesh can relate to body, and spirit can relate to soul. So it can be. Flesh and spirit can be body and soul, but not here. Flesh and spirit are two different operating systems. Take your, um, in the, the back of your worship folder, where it has the text on one side, and it has a couple boxes on the back side. We talked about this last week, but I'm going to bring it back to your Remember, it's a way I define flesh, and it's on the the insert, the back of the insert. We got this. There's two boxes on the back of the insert. Um, it talks about. It gives the definition. Flesh is human nature under the old covenant. When you put human nature under the old covenant, which is you're blessed if you obey and cursed if you disobey, to the degree that becomes your orientation, you end up producing the works of the flesh. They end up coming. It's like planting in a field. So you plant in the field of the flesh, and you get what the field of the flesh produces. Now, these are individuals who are trying to be spiritual, and what they're thinking, he'll bless me if I obey and curse me if I disobey. That's what they're thinking. That's what they are reasoning. And and so they they sow their spiritual seed in the field of the flesh, and what's going to come up? Well, Paul describes it. Look at the word. It's not real fun. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. That happens when you sow into the field of the flesh. You're saying, oh, Mike, I don't see that all over the place. There are Christianized versions of this. It's not always obvious. But that's what you get out of this field. And so that's flesh, human nature, under the old covenant, that's what flesh means, as Paul describes a spiritual operating system. Spirit is human nature under the new covenant. When you put somebody under a guaranteed, unconditional love, and they gradually begin to understand it, this is not all of a sudden, but over time, when you remain, when you remain, and it becomes clearer. What ends up being produced when you sow into the field of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. Whole different list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you think you're under the jurisdiction of old covenant, then this is what you get. And that's what happened. So when they were persuaded, we have to go back under the old covenant, what happened? The works of the flesh started to be produced. Of course, that's what happens when you sow to the field of the flesh. And, and it started to come up. And, and what Paul wants to do to fix the problem, he's not going to say, stop it. Stop doing those things. You know what he's going to tell them to do? Get back over there. Oh, look, back over here, back under the new covenant. Okay, that's better. No, stay there. Stay there. Remain there. These people who are coming, push them away. Just tune them out. Because if you stay here, love, joy, peace, patience, it's going to happen. Because this is what happens when you sow into the field of the Spirit. That's what Paul is talking about, and that's why he does what he does. Um, this is where Paul sees with crystal clarity this is why he issues the commands. They are biting and devouring one another. It really does look like a, a church version of The Walking Dead. They are biting and devouring one another spiritually. And it's really not nice. In fixing the problem, well, look what Paul says. Look at the first command. It's under, it's liberty. There's a couple of passages. Again, this church is riding off the rails. And he doesn't issue a command until the third chapter. I mean, these people, it's really not a good thing. And he doesn't tell them to do anything until the third chapter. And then what does he tell them? Look what it says. Um, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And here's the, here's the imperative. Know then, know that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. What Paul's first command is, understand, know. He's targeting their belief because what Paul understands, believing leads to behaving. Believing leads to behaving either in the flesh or the spirit. It's the same thing. You have to, if you believe the right thing, you get the right thing. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. That's the way it works. And so he appeals to their belief. Understand. No. Listen. Think. It's those who are believers, children of Abraham. Did you believe in Christ? Then it's through believing in Christ that you're accepted and completely. And that's what he's trying to put them back towards. Um, they had lost sight of it. And then his second command, okay, that's the first one. Know then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The second command comes in chapter 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You know what he's telling them to do. If you're going to be able to stay on this side, you need two things here. You need a good yes and a good no. And no, that's not, the, that's not the deal. That was the deal. It's not the deal. You need a good no, because you're not going to go looking for confusion. Confusion's going to come looking for you. And what Paul is encouraging them, listen to the teachers that he put there and learn to say no. That's what his encouragement is to them. Um, 
Say yes to the good news of the gospel and no to the not-so-good news of the gospel of Jesus plus. You know the gospel of Jesus plus. Jesus, belief in Jesus plus, in that day it was belief in Jesus plus circumcision. Belief in Jesus plus holy days. Belief in Jesus plus dietary laws. That's not as much the deal in our day. Belief in Jesus plus spiritual disciplines. Do spiritual disciplines. Journal. Read the Bible. Do so because you're included, not in order to get included. You understand the difference? Do so because you are secure, not in order to get secure. You're secure and you're involved through faith in Christ alone. And now, because that's true, let that filter in. Remain in that. And that's why I'll tell you, it. keep coming back. We talk about this all the time. Why? Because this is... You grow what you sow. Sow into the field of the flesh, you get what that field produces. Sow into the field of the spirit, you get what that field. I mean, you look at works of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. Which do you want? I'm going to stick over here, thanks. And I'm not over here all the time. There's times where we get confused. We listen, we think, we are aware of some of our thoughts and feelings, and we think, oh, God hates me. No, he doesn't. I'll tell you what, though. This is where I'm headed. And I'm there sometimes and not all the time. This is where I'm going, to the place where I understand that I am unconditionally loved by my Father. This is where love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control live. That's what I want, and that's where I'm going. And that's I know that's, you know what, the fact that you're here, It's what you want, too. You wouldn't be here if that wasn't so. You would have gone to a place that lets you know how much better you are than them. But you're you're not. You stayed. And we're not going to talk about how much better you are than them. What we're going to talk about is coming over here and remaining here. Paul says, look, Paul, I say to you that if you accept circumcision... Christ will be of no benefit to you. I think this is the sin that they stumbled into. And the sin that Paul is telling those who are spiritual to come alongside and help, this is the sin that they inadvertently stumbled into. The sin of being circumcised, of abandoning this operating system for this one. We, we usually think of sin with respect to behaviors, and the behaviors are important. What did, where do the behaviors come from? They come from the beliefs. That's why sin begins at the level of belief, and it will erupt into behavior. So we tend to focus on the behaviors. What is it that God judges? Thoughts and attitudes. That's what God judges. Remember the parable of the talents? It was the one he gave ten talents, one he gave five, one he gave one. And the one with ten talents made more, the one with five made others. The one with the one talent, he buried it. And then when the master came, he he picked it. 
hey, 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 here's your talent ta- 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 back. And he said, well, and then it, Jesus is telling the parable, I knew you were a hard man, reaping what you didn't sow and taking out what you didn't put in. And I was afraid, so I hid it. What's the action? The hiding. What's the attitude? Fear. The attitude is fear. The action is hiding. What's the thought? You're a hard man, reaping what you don't sow, taking what you don't put in. That's the thought. Where did the action come from? The attitude. Where did the attitude come from? The thought. That's why Paul wants to bring them back over here. Because here the thought will lead to the attitude, will lead to the action. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And the actions over here, based on those thoughts, are different. Um, This is the sin Paul is most concerned about. Um, If they move from here to there, and this is very strong, Paul in that time describes that if you move from this back and do what they say and get circumcised, you are committing spiritual suicide. He says Christ will be of no benefit to you at all. That's really strong. He says, I testify to again to every man who accepts circumcision, some have stumbled into it, that you're obligated to obey the whole law. And yeah, obligated to obey the whole law. Um, Peter writes, and because this was a, you know, we look at this whole thing and we say, boy, how stupid they were. They weren't. This was very dicey. It was very confusing. We tend to think that the early church was pristine like, like the water that comes off a mountain. And then it, and it becomes more polluted as it comes down. We have this tendency to see the church that way, that it was clear. And that's become confused. It wasn't clear in the beginning. It was confused. Because the Old Testament was the only Bible they had. How much of this do we need to do? Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Here's what Jesus said. He said there's a new covenant, not an old one. But individuals with Bibles said, well, here's what it says. It is confusing, isn't it? Old covenant, Old Testament, and new. It is for us, and we live 2,000 years later. Um, Here's what Peter said once. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. So there were believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders in Israel. That's why it was conf- These individuals that came to Galatia, they're not necessarily... You don't remember this cartoon. Why don't, I'm going to embarrass myself. Snidely Whiplash. Does anybody remember? Thank you very much. Snidely Whiplash. You know, <laughs> we see this... We see these... <laughs> Dudley do it. Is that what it was? I remember Dudley do it. What is Nell? Wasn't it Nell? Wasn't that? That's him, right? Okay, thank you. thank you very much for telling me that, Sheila, and leading me to embarrass myself in that way. 
He did. He was the guy that rode backwards on the horse, though, right? He was. He was. Okay, shut up, Mike. Just move on with the message. Okay, here we go. Um, some of the some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stopped and said, "The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses." These are Jewish Christians. See the confusion? They don't know what's relevant and what's not. The apostles and elders met to consider this question, and it was dicey. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Listen to the Peter's words. Gee. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice. By the way, this is in Acts 15. Um, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither, neither we nor our fathers had been able to bear? Just directly honest. We couldn't do this. Why are we bringing somebody else underneath this thing? That's what Peter, he's just telling the truth. Um, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ that we are saved just as they are. Um, Paul talks about liberty because the way it goes, here's the way it goes. Bondage, then comparison. Liberty, then love. That's the way it works. That's why Paul brings them to liberty to bring them to love. Um, he says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. He influences them to get out from under law, because law has led them from compassion to comparison. Their culture of comparison was directly related to being moved from spirit to flesh. That's why it happened. These missionaries, again, they aren't shysters and snake oil salesmen. Um, in fact, Paul doesn't have a problem with them circumcising their kids if they're in Jerusalem. Go ahead. Paul has no issues with it. They did. So in Jerusalem, if you're a Christian and a Jewish Christian in Jerusalem, go to the temple. Do the stuff. It's fine because you're a Jew and you don't import that to Galatia. Because these Gentiles don't stay there. And again, he was so strong about this. Um, what was happening at the time, um, these missionaries might have been well-meaning but there was also deception. He, Paul pulls back the curtain, and we see the true nature of those who are compelling others to be circumcised. Um, see what he says in verse 11. See with, with large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. What would have happened? Paul didn't write this whole letter, but somebody else would have written it. But then at this point, Paul, he says, let me, let me sign it. And he writes letters with his own hand. Were they big because he couldn't see it? We don't know. 
Anyways, but what he does, he uses his own handwriting so they'll know it comes from him. And it says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. It's a grisly version of grisly version of notches on a gun belt. Really, it's kind of disgusting. Um, waving foreskins of individuals who have been circumcised. That's what he's talking about. Look how many I got. And back in Jerusalem, that's what Paul is describing. That's why they're doing what they're doing. Um, what we know is that a strong zealot movement grew up in Israel and the police were at the beck and call of the priests because Israel was a theocracy. And if you were believing wrong, I could send the police after you. And so what those who were enforcing the law in Israel did to Jews. Now, if you're going to believe this thing, you better you better tell these individuals to get circumcised or else. And these individuals who have come to Galatia are coming back with these foreskins. See? (laughs) So you don't have to beat me up. I told them that they needed to get circumcised and I did it and and then the individuals, and because and, that's what they believe, well, okay then, you're safe. Nothing's going to happen to you. Of course, Paul didn't operate that way. That's why he says, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He didn't protect himself from government reprisal. That's why he said, Don't cause me any trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And what Paul did, he said, no, I'm not going to fold. I will not fold. And so they beat him with the 40, they beat him with rods. I think it's three or four times. What they did, they took a rod like a broomstick, and they stripped you back, and they, I'm not going to go into it. I don't like all the grizzly, but he went into, he was punished a lot. The reason why he was punished is they said, you better tell them to be circumcised. Paul says, I can't. I can't. Because it will end up leading to these kind of behaviors, and it's not the truth. So I'll tell them the truth. And Jesus told the truth, and he was beaten up, and I guess that's not bad company to be in. And that's why Paul made the decision he made. So these individuals coming, they were trying to protect their own skin. That's what Paul indicates. Um, We see a lot of works of the flesh in our life. Anger, fits of rage. It doesn't seem like that list should be what it is. It seems like it should be some capitals and some small case. Sorcery! Sexual immorality! Fits of rage. (laughs) Witchcraft! Jealousy. <laughs> he throws them all together. 
because they all come from this field. Some of them are more intense than others, but they all come from this field. And um, so we see these kind of things in our lives, and we see two two fruit of the Spirit. And if that's you, what commands does God give you? In fact, knowing what you deal with, what you act like, if God was to tell you three things, what would they be? If he was to command you to do three things, what would his three commands be? How would you fill in that blank? I want you to think about it. He looks at you. He writes to you. He writes commands. What are those commands? First one? I like that. In this, in this, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually better than the one that I had. <laughs> in this letter. <laughs> See, that wasn't very gentle, was it? Let's... In the context of this letter, know them, those who believe are children of Abraham. Understand grace. That's what he would say to you. Understand grace. Those who believe are part of God's forever family. Command number two, stand firm. Do not let anyone subject you again to a yoke of slavery. When you hear something that doesn't line up with the New Covenant, bingo, that's it. That's exact. He says, stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be subject again to a yoke of slavery. When you listen to things biblical, listen discerningly. Ask questions. Like I heard this, or Randy, or... Say no. And, And third, so no, understand grace, resist legalism, and where's pick on up? The last thing, when you do those things, that's liberty. So understand grace, resist legalism. Then with that liberty, you know what the third command is? Serve one another in love. That's what he would say to you. Understand grace. Resist legalism. Serve one another in love. Father, thank you for not only telling us what, but how. Um, You would have us manifest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you would have us steer away from other things, sexual morality, orgies, drunkenness, yada, 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 yada. And you don't just tell us what, you tell us how. And you would have us believe in the new covenant because as we acclimate ourselves to being underneath its jurisdiction as we understand slowly what that means. The fruit that comes from planting seeds in the soil of the new covenant start to come up. And so I ask that you would help us to know that it's those who believe are children of Abraham and help us to stand firm and not be subject again to a yoke of slavery and help us to serve one another in love. In Jesus' name, amen.